What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Thanks for tuning in to the Basement Poetry Podcast. I hope you're having a great weekend. I hope you're gearing up for the holidays coming up. My birthday's coming up, so as a birthday present, you guys can, you know, come and enjoy this show. I'm about to be 25. It's crazy when I think about, when I think back on life, and I'm just like, yo, 25 years. Like, I remember... When I was 17, I remember when I was 10, I remember when I was like seven. So to think about being 25 and just thinking like, a lot of people will look at you and think, you you know, you're really young. But when I look at myself, I'm like, man, I've been through so much stuff in just 25 years of living. And there's so much more living that I've yet to do. So, you know, at 25, I'm uh, taking off, you know what I'm saying? So, but today I have a poem for you guys by the amazing Emily Dickinson. And um, Emily Dickinson, I always refer to her as like the mother of modern and contemporary poetry, mostly because if you read any um, modern and contemporary poetry, it, I feel like, and this might just be my own personal bias. I feel like she's always in there somewhere, you know, and she was writing like right before the, I guess you can call it the formal modern, you know, movement when it comes to poetry, like that 1900s, because she was writing in the um, like late 1800s. Yeah, and she implemented a lot of things that we see in modern and contemporary poetry today um, with you know, slant rhymes, rhymes that aren't all the way, you know, fully and stopped rhymes, internal rhyme that we see a lot. And she implemented the use of dashes. She used dashes excessively. And I don't, when I say excessively, I don't mean in a negative way. Uh, I think she used them very meticulously and carefully, but, but, you know, she really kind of you know, made that whole, the whole use of dashes uh, a famous technique. And so, and we see that so much in contemporary poetry, especially, and I still, and I use that in my own work. Um, And, you know, slant rhymes is something that I'm super fond of when it comes to poetry because I like rhyming, but I'm not a huge fan of like the end, end rhymes that are just like really tight and you know, I like just messing around with it. And so I attribute a lot of that to her. And, you know, her work was very influential um, to poetry. And if you read any anthology or history of poetry or even a history of modern poetry, or she will be in any of those anthologies that you read. Um, I think if anyone's an aspiring poet, I feel like she is definitely a good starting place. Um you know, she breaks a lot of rules that were well, poetic rules that were seen as rules during her time. But also, she's still very tight and strict with her lines and, you know, her use of meter and different things like that. And so if you are a poet or an aspiring poet, I highly recommend reading Emily Dickinson. And today, the poem, the poem I'm going to read by her is titled hold on let me find it here 
Um, so the poem I'm going to read by her today is called After Great Pain, A Formal Feeling Comes. Number 372. And I'm pretty sure, and I have to fact check myself on this, is that a lot of her poems are titled by the first line because she didn't name a lot of her poems. They were just numbered. They were just numbered. Yeah, and you'll see when I read it that the title is is the first line. So just kind of keep that in mind. So here's the poem. After great pain, a formal feeling comes. By Emily Dickinson. After great pain, a formal feeling comes. The nerves sit ceremonious like tombs. The stiff heart questions, was it he that bore and yesterday or centuries before? The feet mechanical go round a wooden way of ground or air or aught. Regardless grown, a quartz contentment like a stone, this is the hour of lead. Remembered, if outlived, as freezing persons recollect snow. First, chill, then stupor, then the letting go. So that was After Great Pain, A Formal Feeling Comes. And it's funny because looking at it right now, and just so you guys know, the poem will be in the show notes. Uh, so take a look at that while I kind of go through it. And so you can kind of see what I'm talking about. But, you know, I've read this poem before, but it's interesting because she uses capital letters for a lot of words in this poem, um, just to name a few uh, nerves, heart, he, yesterday, centuries, um, feet, wooden, ground, air, aught, quartz, what is it, hour of lead, like, hour of lead, she uses capitals for hour and, and a capital letter for lead, um, and then freezing, she uses a capital letter, there's so many capitals in here, and usually in poems that aren't necessarily, you know, because there's a whole uh, whole host of poetry that talks about, you know, God and they're like praise poems to to God and stuff like that. And there's, you know, Catholic poetry, Christian poetry, whatever. You know, it's interesting because a lot of times when we see capital letters attributed to just normal things, we kind of always put it back to God, like to God, because in the Bible, when it refers to God, they usually use a capital G or if they refer to something, you know, that also is referring to God, like the Holy Spirit, they might use, um, you know, capital letters for that. And so a lot of times when people do that in poetry, it almost makes you your brain kind of automatically goes to that um, if you have that background. And so as someone who does have that background, that's kind of where my my mind goes and so when I think about this poem and what it could mean um after great pain a formal feeling comes you know it's that 
I feel like she's talking about that process of grieving. And then one of my favorite lines in the poem, um, the nerves sit ceremonious like tombs. The stiff heart questions, was it he that bore and yesterday or centuries before? That, those, that was two lines. Those two lines really bring together that kind of um, idea of God for me. You know, the ceremonious, the word ceremonious does that for me. And, you know, the heart questions, stiff heart questions. And then, um, you know, he is capitalized. So that makes me think of God um, yesterday or centuries before. So it's like that he bore our, you know, pain yesterday, centuries before. Like, it makes me think that, like, the formal feeling is kind of, that God, that almost godly feeling that, you know, could come over you, you know, a missed pain. And I like that it's called a formal feeling comes because it's not like that, you know, after pain, you know, there's hope or there's, um, you know, happiness or whatever. It's just a formal feeling that's kind of like, it's just how things go. It's just like, you know, very calculated this happens and this happens then this happens in the last line of the poem it says first chill then stupor then the letting go and it's kind of like this procession but there doesn't seem to be anything in this poem that would make me believe that there's a happiness at the end of it it's more of a forced contentment I guess you kind of get to a point of pain where it's just like you just have to move on. And so I feel like that's kind of what this poem is referring to. But I would definitely look up some of Emily Dickinson's uh, other poems. You know, some of her famous ones. Like, I heard a fly buzz um, when I died. That was, that's a famous one. And if you guys can figure out what the last line of that poem means, please tell me. Because <laughs> I still do not know. So thank you guys for listening to the Basement Poetry Podcast and, you know, going through that poem with me. Uh, I hope you guys have a great um, week. You had a great weekend and are going to have a great week to come. You know, my birthday's on July 3rd. Just another shameless plug. So send me a shout out. Peace.